Hey everyone, welcome to episode 195 of 15 with Randy, Heather, and Ellie. Jeff, Greg, and Andy are off this week because I have been sick for an entire week. Went back to work on Monday. It was a long day. It made me regress today. Early on, I I, I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. So I said, guys, sorry, Greg, I'm really sorry because I really enjoy having Greg on the show, but it's not going to work this week. He's so fun. And yeah, he's he's a total – and uh, we we're missing the – every episode, and you know, it's like a Greg thing. We have to do that. What is what is that? It's the stopwatch. Greg likes to do it for – and so oh. he's doing it and the, the bumper is doing it and it's – yeah, it's every episode. It's awesome. So what's happening Church retreat is happening. It's coming upon us this weekend. So the other was the second part. I needed to be healthy for this weekend at yes. church retreat because we have a lot to do. Yes. There's going to be a prayer experience that Heather's working on. We're going to be podcasting, which I'll tell you a little bit more at the end of the show about. So and I'm doing nothing. You're going to be playing. You're going to be doing kids playing. stuff. That's what you're supposed to be doing. So I just couldn't be doing one more thing today. It just wasn't going to work. So... I've already, you already know they're here, but please welcome the seldom heard, the rarely featured, but the always engaging Heather and Ellie McGray. Hi, Randy. Thanks for having us. Hello, Father. Hello. I think you've each been on an individual episode. Yes. But never together. So we'll see how this goes. And we've already done, we've already had an issue in the studio, little home studio tonight. So this is the second round. So, you know, we're just keeping our fingers crossed and prayers up. All right. So. Last week was our great question. What was our great question last week? Oh, yeah, it was on uh, conscience and denomination and, you know, keeping everyone in line. Keep the faith. Yeah, but really it it just all boiled down to freedom and what it truly means to us as Christians. And we were reminded from a J.I. Packer quote from Andy McDonald that said, Real freedom is only ever found under authority, God's authority in Christ, authority which reaches us via God's written word. We can only have the freedom we want when we receive it on God's terms, by giving up our rebellious independence and letting God be God to us. That sounds so, it sounds so easy. It sounds so easy. And yet sometimes it is so hard to make that happen. If you've missed any of our previous messages or episodes along the way, you always know that you can find those at hospitalchurch.org. It's soon going to be something else, but we'll let you know about that next week. And of course, on your mobile devices with Apple and Google Podcasts, streaming on Spotify. And I have been impressed with how many of you, I don't know if you've switched and you were listening before on something else, but like iHeartRadio is your favorite, but there has been a ton of you listening on iHeartRadio. So that's really awesome. I'm that's glad cool. we included that into our repertoire. Yes, Ellie. Um, I was going to ask, who is J.I. Packer? I don't know who J.I. Packer is, but for more questions about J.I. Packer, send an email to Andy at hospitalchurch.org. He could probably tell you. He'll hate me for that. And <laughs> otherwise, you know what? Probably just go to www.google.com and find out who J.I. Packer was. All right. This week was the final installment, the third and final installment of this annual series called Great Question. And it's a closing of an era here at the podcast. This is the last installment of the podcast as the hospital church. We are about two months away from completing our fourth year as a podcast for the first time at Church Retreat, coming up, as already mentioned, at the end of this week. Episode 196 will begin a new era of the podcast as we transition into whole life church. 
There will be some small changes coming to the podcast over the coming weeks, but kind of fun ones. Part of it involves Philip Burks. So that might give you a little idea of what might be coming. Mm. I won't promise that all of everything that we're trying to do will be completed by next week for you to listen to, <laughs> but hopefully completed as we kick off year four, which will come up, which will come up here shortly. So did you have something, Ellie? Oh, no, I just had an idea about the podcast. All right. So well, do you have a pen there? You want to write that down while we get started? Chit chat later, huh? Yeah, chit chat about it later. Uh, all right. Do you have a pen on your desk? I don't have a pen on my desk, but here, let's open the drawer while listeners listen. And I, here we go. Here's a pen. Click. There you go. There you go. And write at will. All right. Let's continue on. So the question this week was, how can I keep from having doubt with such ambiguity in the Bible? And now, this seems like something that we all know about, but we don't really feel like talking about. Well, at least not in polite conversation. We all know someone, and we've all been that person that sometimes has taken a text, an idea from a summarization of texts or chapters that shouldn't be. And typically, these turn into our manifesto, our soapbox, and somehow we feel obligated or somehow authorized to beat our, I, I mean, not our opinion, but I mean the truth into anyone <laughs> that we meet. The truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. And that's all we want to do. We just want to set them free. And if they would just see things the if way I see them. Would. Wouldn't that be better? Hmm. Probably not. Or a way they see it, if we would just see things the way they see it. So what do you think about ambiguity in the Bible, Heather? Uh, well, ambiguity in the Bible, I think, is something that... That's a good question. Put me on the spot there, Randy. No. Ambiguity is um, is Okay. It's okay. We don't it's have okay. to worry about it. We don't have to be. Well, because we should be you frightened know, when about you it. Think or... about ambiguity in the Bible. You have, and I'm probably jumping ahead here a little bit, but you have how many different authors? Mm -hmm. You have how many different styles of writing? Mm -hmm. Plus, then you have to take into their personality mm -hmm. and the, their point in history. Mm -hmm. Their time in history, what was happening in the culture. Then you have to take in, again, you have to take into culture. Their culture was so different than what our culture is. Absolutely. So you have all these different things that do cause ambiguity in the Bible. And if we're reading it for like, this is the absolute, the way it should be. Right. Okay. We can, it can cause us to doubt mm -hmm. because it may not make sense based on what our culture is. So, Heather, what do you do when you encounter a text, a chapter, or an idea that doesn't seem to make sense to you? I mean, I typically wait until Mondays and ask Andy and Jeff because I'm on the podcast because that's my routine. <laughs> but not, not everybody has their ear like I do yeah. every single yeah. week. What well, do you do? I sometimes I go, oh, oh well, I'll just keep reading, right? Keep reading. I just keep reading and I just, just keep swimming. I just keep swimming like Dory. <laughs> <laughs> just keep reading. And sometimes it kind of works itself out. Yeah. Because I'm just reading and I'm, and really for me, I tend not to get caught up in all those little idiosyncrasies of yeah. the Bible. I'm reading the Bible to get to know God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm get, I'm reading the Bible because I want a relationship with him. I want my heart to be changed and I want to be, I want to experience his love. Sounds good to me. So like that's it. kind of how, and that, that goes along with my personality. Sure. You know, I, I may not be as analytical as other people. Okay. So, I like that. So then Ellie, from a teenager's perspective, 
if there's things that I mean, you know, not a lot of life experience yet here. I mean, I know that we know almost everything. I mean, I don't think you're going to know everything until you're 16, but we're close at 13 She's going close. on. I'm 14. She's yeah, close. You're, you're making a good run at it. So what do you do when you don't understand something in the Bible? You could ask your parents. You could ask your pastor. You could go to some of your friends and ask them what they think of it. You www.google.com. <laughs> Very funny. No, I, I like that. I, I, I like that. Yeah, I like the idea of saying that we need to be embracing our peers in our community. So for us, it might be a different group of people and not that we couldn't ask because I think sometimes kids have a different perspective and a unique perspective, unique perspective. And yes. even if our perspective doesn't answer everything, three perspectives all taken together and talked about respectfully, we might actually be able to come up with something, a pretty good hypothesis even. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Ellie. I have this, I have this theory that God helped the people who wrote the Bible write the Bible a certain way so that everyone who reads it has a slightly different perspective on the verses so that we can all come together so that we have a sense of we have this bond of community hmm. over like the that. Bible. I like, I like that. that. I like that. I think that's good. I think also... Mm-hmm. God knew that those, and, and that's probably true because he also knew that how many different perspectives there would be reading the Bible and how much we would each, we would need different perspectives to connect with something. I think we all connect with something a little different in the Bible. I think it was Richard that said during our series this year on music that he loves the Psalms. I mean, he's a musician, right? How right. many songs have come from musician? And Andy's like, yeah, you don't got to read, you got to read Psalms. Oh! <gasps> I know. Andy. Don't you remember? Pat, well, you guys don't listen to the podcast. You wouldn't know that. But Andy's just like, it's like his least, I believe he said, Andy, if I'm getting you quoted incorrectly here, you can correct me next week. But I'm pretty sure he said that like Psalms is his least favorite book of the Bible. But again, that's a perspective. That's a personal preference. And so, you know, Andy's going to go. I And that's fine by me. Right. You don't have to explain Psalms right. to me, but I would hope that, you know, Andy's like dug in deep into Revelation and other things. So I know if I have questions, I can go talk about something yeah. deep. Right? Revelation, yeah. We right. need to join a Revelation seminar. A Revelation seminar. Do they still do those? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I right. hope. Well, Greg broke down what people who asked this question, which I'm pretty sure is all of us, are really trying to get at in this process. And I really liked it. He said, the question that we're dealing with today isn't asked by someone looking for a way out. They're looking for a way in. The question was, how can I keep from having doubt? Not why shouldn't I have doubt? This person, like myself, like many of us, is trying to figure out how to understand the Bible more deeply, not toss it aside. They wrestle with the ambiguity. And I never really thought about it that way. And it should help anyone in the position of knowledge to realize that people are searching for sincere answers. They are seeking to learn. They are seeking to grow. They're seeking to love God more. And as we just talked about, what Ellie, like what you just said, going in and being with your peers and asking questions and trying to figure things out together respectfully and kind and kind-heartedly. I mean, what shouldn't this change how we think about being right or wrong? Are we reading the Bible to use it as a club or 
any of this, right? right. Shouldn't, yeah. that change, shouldn't that change us as a church, like all of us? All of us. And I think when, you know, that question is really good and his response is really good because it's like, it makes you go, well, if somebody's doubting or confused by the Bible, it's not because they're trying to find that God doesn't exist or there's right. no God or I hate God or this or that. They're searching for love. I mean, because God is love. Right. So right. they're searching to find a relationship. Yeah. So if we look at it that way, when somebody's doubting or somebody's questioning and we come alongside them in love and, you know, ask the questions, listen to their questions, listen to their doubts, do it together as a community. Mm. I think, well, let's like flip, you said, you let, know? let's flip that. Okay. What if someone is someone like an atheist or an agnostic and they're coming at you with, you know, I don't believe in all this. And, you know, they're, they're trying to be, I mean, they're trying to, they're trying to trigger you. Right. The same thing to me though, still applies because our job is to plant seeds for the Holy spirit to nurture. Right. And beating someone up and being self-righteous and being that I know more than you, I'm smarter than you. And this is the only view to have. How does that allow the, to me, that allows the Holy spirit, no chance to, to work with us. You're right. If we're doing it in love, at least we have love as some as a little soil. It's a bad as a little seed. <laughs> as, as a little seed, seed and they're the soil and you're gonna plant that seed in them. Yeah. And hopefully that it's, you know And then it's a, it's up to the Holy Spirit. It's not our job to change yes. people's minds. An unloving a Christian who does not love is an oxymoron. I like it. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. People might claim such, but you're you're 100 percent correct. I was going to say hypocrite, but then I lost that train of thought. So. That's okay. Well, that's all right. We can say, yeah, sounds good. All right. The next part that I really liked in the process of showing just how small a portion of the overall ambiguity found in the Bible, Greg broke things down into two questions to ponder to help deal with doubt and ambiguity. And it was simple but effective. And they were two questions. And they are, what am I reading, and why am I reading? He went on to define the Bible in an overview that was helpful. And I, and this is all stuff that Christians probably know, but it was good in this context to just kind of take a, uh, another step back and check yourself before you wreck yourself and understand what the Bible is and maybe what it isn't. The Bible is a collection of 66 books. It was written over a period of thousands of years by at least 35 people to a myriad of different people in three primary languages. Portions of the Bible are firsthand accounts of what they witnessed. The Bible is a collection of different types of literature. The Bible has prose, poetry, prophecy, parables, proverbs, epistles, treaties, laws, songs. 40% of the Old Testament and 60 of the New is narrative. And the Bible uses weird things and weird words like hyperbole and idioms. www.google.com if you're not sure what those mean. Or www.dictionary.com. Ooh, that's another good one. And that one will even... Because hyperbole, hyperbole, easy for me to say twice in a row. Sometimes, you know, you might get stuck. And that one will actually, if you press the little the little sound button next to it, it will, pronounce the, will actually pronounce the word for you. We, we, have said, we, we have said hyperbole so many times in this episode. I think we're going to need a little help saying and uh, Ambiguity? Ambiguity. Don't say ambiguous because then it's really hard to go back to ambiguity. All right. Okay. So. Another thing he said was the Bible was never intended to be a textbook, an almanac, chronology, or logbook of science, math, history, or any other academic subject, and then gasp. 
it will not answer all your questions in life. Yeah, first I had a hard time with that comment. <gasps> because Greg, Greg at org. Dear Greg, I was really upset by your message. I wasn't really no, upset. I'm just it just made me go, hmm. Because I think a lot of times as Christians and as a homeschool mom and uh, what we're learning in history and science is mm -hmm. all Bible-based, which I'm not saying – I think that's really good. Okay. okay. But when you say – when the Bible was never intended as a textbook, as a history, well, there is history sure, of course. in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think you referenced that too. Yes. There's history in the Bible. There's science. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some science sure. that you can delve into. Creation is, you know, a big thing. Yeah. Um, but even the creation story, like he pointed out, there's two yeah, in Genesis there's two, 1. Yes, it's two different perspectives. Um, you know, numerology is a big thing okay. in the Bible. A lot of people look at numerology and they look at the prophecy and the numer you know, numerology and things. Um, and so, yes, it is those things. But really, the Bible is not intended to be just those things. That should be our focus, I think, is what, right. what we should concentrate on. Not that you can't find those things, but we shouldn't be going into reading the Bible with that as our focus. Yes. Go ahead, Ellie. Um, the, the, the Bible is a library. So just like, you know, you read a book series, each book adds something to the storyline while keeping something for itself mm -hmm. so since there's so many books in the bible it's really a library so then you have different books which mean different things you know what i'm hearing you saying what you're so, you're, you're talking in andy speak right now Jeez. because andy tells us every week and through this series and in in a roundabout way, but every every time we come to this subject about the Bible and how do mm -hmm. we interpret it, how should we use it, this, the questions of why and what always come up. But the larger question of you take out of like your library, you check out a you check out a text, you check out a chapter, and while there might be some disturbing things in those singular pieces, you have to. Hold those up against what the whole Bible says, which is God loves us. God wants relationship with us so much that he sent Jesus to die for us to make it all work. Jesus and, is our savior. Right. right. So my point was going to be that the Bible mm -hmm. is ultimately about God's desire mm -hmm. for a relationship with us. Mm -hmm. It's about him wanting a relationship with us, his love for us to read it so that we can know more about him. Mm -hmm. um, that's really what the whole, when you put the whole library together. Absolutely. That's the story. That's the story. Yeah. And there's a lot of way, a lot of volumes to get there. And there's a lot of ways. There's a lot of different ways, you know, in prophecy, in poetry, in the Psalms, in songs, in narratives. All of that brings a different aspect of God's love. And I've just found that since we've been on this, and I've mentioned this a lot lately on the podcast of reading this uh, Bible in 365 days with a group of people from the hospital church uh, led by Richard Hickam, inviting us all to this crazy thing. And we've, you know, we're hanging out in Leviticus and we're, we're right now and we're trying to figure out, you know, why is there the same uh, instructions for all of these sacrifices all the time? It's like you read one and then it's like, oh, all of the same procedures that apply to this one 
to this one? Why not just say, hey, when you do this advice, when you do this sacrifice, here's what you have to do. And oh, by the way, for the next five sacrifices, it's all the same. But no, they have to go through each one. And so sometimes, sometimes not everything has to make sense. It's, It's there for a reason. And I've really tried hard this week to go, like, God, I have no idea. I'm reading this because it's part of this plan and it's part of your Bible and I want to understand. But I also, I want to understand why this is in the Bible. Why is it just for the historical part of like what life was like then and how many, you know, what was expected of them as God's people and all the covenants and all that stuff? Or is there something, what's for me in this? What am I supposed to be learning from this in 2020? Because it can be a challenge. Right. It could be a challenge. Did you have but, something, Millie? Um, it looked like you were either had to go to the bathroom or you wanted to say something. I wasn't sure. <laughs> <laughs> what, but I don't have to go to the bathroom. Good. Um, what if the – what if those books – what if the process is the same – but maybe it was for different times of the year, the, those sacrifices maybe. So then you you would read it this part for this time of the year. And then when it comes to this sacrifice, you read that. Hmm. I didn't catch that, but, you know, I'll have to ask. Uh, maybe I'll have to ask Andy about that. He probably knows. Just throwing Andy, it out there. Andy knows everything. Does he? He does. He does. <laughs> All right. So initially I'd asked you both, what did you take away as the most important part or the central theme to you from Greg's message? Heather, you want to go first? Sure. Um, again, going back to this problem issue that I had with what he said about the Bible's not intended to be a textbook. Yeah. So and what I ended up taking away was that the Bible was not written to recount history but to recount the incredible things that God did hmm. and is still doing. And if we get focused, like the whole thing about um, the two, the whole thing about the two different color robes mentioned by two different people right, that right. were writing it about the recount of Jesus crucifixion. Um, if we get caught up in the color of sure. what it is, we lose the whole story. And it can be meaningful, no doubt. It can be meaningful. And I think, right, go ahead, Ellie. Yeah, because what if one was saying the the actual color of the robe, but the other said purple, the, the robe was purple because he was being more symbolic mm-hmm. and saying that it was a purple robe because Jesus is royalty. And if we read right. thing in context, if we read things in context and go back and look at both accounts, Right. We can yeah. come up with what we think. And, and then I might just say, yeah, it was it was this color, you know, and, the, and then Ellie's going, well, with the purple. Right. And maybe right. that was, you know, to show royalty and to see that, you know, that God is our king. And, you know, there's a lot of different things that we can start to glean from it. Ellie, right. what did you think? What did you yeah. what did you, is that what you were taking away from it? Mm-hmm. From my the point that mom that my mom um, said, yeah, I agree with that. If we get caught up with the itty bitty little details, then you miss the wonderful weaving of the Bible. Yeah. There's some great storytelling that happens. And I came away with really the thought of there is so much 
we need to do in the realm of love. And I know we talk about that a lot on the podcast and we get a lot of heat because why aren't we talking about other things other than love? And we do talk about other things, but we always do it through the prism of love because as Andy has stated many times on the podcast, when we get good at doing that, then everything will be ready for everything else right. to do everything else more perfectly right. and do them better and do them more Christ-like. And we're not there and we may never be there. So we have to continually remember that Jesus said the greatest of these is love. So we should be approaching anything we, we read in the Bible, anything we want to talk about to others in the Bible, people that ask us questions about things in the Bible. We should always remember that we have to lead with love because who wants to listen if it's not in love? Right. Who wants to be beaten up? Who wants to be ridiculed? Who wants to be made to feel lesser than? Right. I don't. No. And you know, I think the Bible is about the revelation of Jesus Christ. It really is. Absolutely. It's revealing himself to us and his ultimate plan for everything. Yeah. And I think the more we read it, I mean, the person that's taught me more about that than anyone else is Bill Crofton. Yeah. Is because if you are a friend of Bill Crofton's, luckily enough, on Facebook. And You're he, blessed. He does the this every day he's posting. And he, I mean, he'll go through the New Testament. I don't know how many times we've gone through the New Testament on Facebook with this man in the last decade. And every time he has something new that he gleans. And when you read it and it causes you to think and then you read it and then you find more things. So it's not like you just read like, well, I read it in a year. It's all 66 books front to back. I know everything there is to know. There's just so much like Ellie, like you said, about the story that's weaved through the Bible. Mm -hmm. All right. We are winding down here. So Ellie, I need you to take over and take this next section so I don't break down in tears. All right. Our final FHC takeaway ever asked, does the fact that the Bible contains poetry, idioms, hyperbole, etc. diminish its authority. How would you answer that question for someone who's wrestling with the validity of scripture? Okay. And I think we've, I mean, I think we've pretty much already answered this right. through today's show in how we would do that and why we would do it and why it's important. But as always, we'll take your questions, your answers or comments on something we said, didn't say, something we should have said, or how you feel about the subject at hand. You can always leave us your insights by voicemail or text at 407-965-1607 or email podcast at hospitalchurch.org. And that email will be changing uh, next week, but... Emails will still go through. So if you can't remember, is it like, it? what's the new, ah, never mind. Just go to podcast at hospitalchurch.org and it will get to us. All right. Our final thoughts this week are from the closing to Greg's message. He said, when we allow God's word to function as our guide to help us have lives of purpose and meaning, how can I keep from having doubt with such ambiguity in the Bible? Know what you're reading and know why you're reading. Two things that I don't think that you want to take and miss out on in this one. Know what you're reading and know why you're reading. Yep. All right. That concludes Great Questions 2020. Andy, you can rest easy for another year until we do it all again next year, or you can convince Tammy that it's not a good idea, which I don't think you'll be able to do. <laughs> and that can mean one in one thing only. Church Retreat 2020 is this weekend. All right. Woohoo! Oons, oons, oons.
All right, Andy, Jeff, you have your work cut out for you next week. I need a backing. I need some backing and some beatboxing and some, you know, some keeping some rhythm. So I'll expect great things from you guys next week. So that is going to do it for this week. But I'll remind you once again, there will be no church services at or classes of any kind at the hospital church soon to, well, this week it'll be Whole Life Church. It just won't be at the physical building at 2800 North Orange Avenue in Orlando. It will be in High Springs, Florida at Camp Kalakwa is where we will be. If you have any church retreat questions, you I, we've already closed registration. So that's here and gone. But if you have any questions or issues that need to get resolved or possibly coming up on Saturday, please send an email to Tammy at hospitalchurch.org, T-A-M-I at hospitalchurch.org. And if she can't fix it, it's not a problem. All right. So do join us this Saturday afternoon in the A-frame at Camp Kalakwa at 3 p.m. We will be joined by our weekend speaker, Dr. Carla Gober-Park. We will also, like last year, have a live mic setup where we will take your questions on the podcast live. So take notes during her morning message. Eat lunch quickly. Make your lay activities brief. Ask your family and friends if they had any questions and invite them over to the A-frame. We'll be happy to set up more chairs and join us at 3 if you are not at the retreat, you can catch the whole conversation as usual in all the usual places next Wednesday on episode 196 of the Freshly Minted Whole Life Podcast. Thank you, ladies, for this took us two tries. We had some issues tonight with the audio board here in the home studio. So this is round two. It's uh, getting past. Oh, man, they're about to turn into pumpkins. This is still I am a pumpkin. <laughs> I am not a pumpkin. This is still early for me on a typical Tuesday, uh, early Wednesday morning. But for them, this is getting to the end. So thank you, ladies, both enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having us. And thank we'll, you. And we'll do it again, I'm sure, at some point. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> you sound so excited. Oh, yay! yay! All right, guys. Thanks for listening and have a great week. And we will see you at Church Retreat. God bless.